Hey everybody, welcome back to GRE Bytes. My name is Davis, an educator with over 10 years of experience. And I'm Orion, founder of Stellar GRE. We're here to bring you a weekly bite-sized episode on GRE prep and grad school admissions. For more information, check us out at stellargre.com. Okay, Orion. So, Dr. Orion. Yes, sir. So we've talked about in the past uh, the emotional coping that sometimes people go through when they're taking their tests and that that can be a significant kind of minefield or environment to navigate when taking the test. Well, it just decreases your efficiency and your overall effectiveness. Yes. Right. So what there, and then there are tools that we have, such as mindfulness practices that can help alleviate that and keep us focused for top performance. So talk to me a little bit about how mindfulness increase mindfulness practices in the context of the GRE can increase our performance? Oh, it's huge. Mindfulness is, is extremely important to top performance on the GRE and, and in many other domains of life, right? Um, I often say that there's really three steps to getting a perfect score on the GRE. The first is getting the question right, obviously. Right. But that's, a, that's the easiest step is getting the question right. Then it's getting the question right 90 seconds or less because the time constraint is right. one of the more challenging parts of this test. If you mm -hmm. can do it in three minutes, you kind of can do it. So that's step two. And step three is getting the question right in 90 seconds or less, 100 in a row. And that's a huge step. That's right. a bigger step right. between two and three than one and two. Yeah. And to be able to get every single step of every single question 100 in a row for four and a half straight hours is extremely difficult. It requires an almost robotic consistency with respect to your own fail-safes to reduce carelessness. It requires a, a presence of mind that is very difficult to sustain for most people for four and a half straight hours. And what I'm talking about with respect to that is sustained mindfulness. Mm -hmm. A big part of this test is being able to kind of have temporal blinders, like those horses in Central Park that have the blinders. Mm -hmm. You don't want to think about the past or the previous question. You don't want to think about the future or the next question. You want your, the entire universe to be the question that's directly in front of you mm -hmm. and ideally the smallest step of the question that's directly in front of you and to sort of walk the razor's edge of the present moment in that way for four straight hours. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as you start to mentally time travel and you think about what you did on the previous quant section or how you have a, a third verbal section to look forward to, you take yourself out of the present moment, which means you're increasingly disengaged from the actual sensory information that you need to solve that problem, mm -hmm. which is just inviting carelessness. It's just inviting error and variance into your performance. Mm -hmm. And so the difference between somebody who's, say, scoring at a 162 and a person who's scoring at a 168 isn't knowledge at that point. Those two students probably know exactly the same amount of content. Mm -hmm. They might even have the same sexy test prep strategies. Mm -hmm. The difference between those two students is the 168 student is better able to mitigate his or her carelessness over the long run versus the 162 student. Mm -hmm. And the ability to do that depends instrumentally on sustained mindfulness, being non-judgmentally aware of the present moment, moment to moment for four and a half straight hours. Okay. So, okay. So mindfulness you're talking about is that ability to stay non-judgmentally present for on that razor's edge of not considering the past or the future, but just a small step, what it is I need to do now, what I'm doing right now. That is one working definition of mindfulness. I know that there are, mm -hmm. there are many, um, in psychology, the one that gets thrown around the most is mindfulness is the non-judgmental awareness of the present moment. And I think that's a good enough definition for, for what I'm talking about here. 
Gotcha. And so what are, because a lot of times people talk about mindfulness strategies, Mm -hmm. like what do you do? What tools do you have to actually allow yourself to stay in that present focus more? I think a lot of it depends on practice. I mean, we don't even have four hour long movies anymore. We used to be able to sit down for Gone with the Wind. There was a little intermission, but we don't, our entertainment we can't even sit through four hours of entertainment these days. Lord of the Rings, maybe. But they they, they have the theatrical release, which was yeah. 25% shorter than the you know, director's cut. You know, three and three hours is pushing it for the vast majority of people. Right. So my point is, is that when's the last time most people have sat down and focused on one thing for four hours? It's probably been years, if ever. So this is something that you can't expect to just waltz in to the test and be able to effortlessly manifest. Mm-hmm. And it's really important. Let me, let me demonstrate some evidence for how important it is. There's a really cool study that was done at the University of California, Santa Barbara, UCSB, uh, several years ago that inspired my own doctoral dissertation, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But what these researchers did is they randomized two groups of undergrad students into two two-week classes. One of them was a mindfulness class where the students learned how to meditate, mindfully meditate. And the other one was like a nutrition or a healthy living class that had nothing to do with mindfulness, but neither class had anything to do with test prep. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mindfulness versus nutrition. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the variable of interest was student performance on the verbal section of the GRE. And they gave the researchers gave the students in both groups the verbal sections both before and after the two-week intervention. Neither student learned vocabulary. Neither student learned GRE, standardized test skills or strategies. They just focused on mindfulness and nutrition respectively. And at the end of those two weeks, the researchers discovered that with no other additional information or test prep skills, the students in the mindfulness condition scored 19 percentile points higher than those in the nutrition wow. condition. 19 percentile points is enormous that's like a fifth of the entire variance of the test. And so, and this is just one performance factor. There's mm-hmm. also like test anxiety and um, it's, it's, it, it's difficult to overstate the importance of these performance factors on top percentile performance on the GRE. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, that, that study actually inspired me in my own doctoral research. Yeah. I, I took that and I ran with it. And I said, okay, that's a very powerful finding, but it also takes two weeks worth of work, which in the scheme of things isn't all that much, right? right? Um, if you're preparing for the GRE and you spend two or three months doing it, you could simultaneously cultivate a mindfulness practice during that time as well. There's mm-hmm. tons of no to low cost apps that do that. Was there any... Uh, follow-up studies that showed like two weeks versus two months of mindfulness training if you still get increased benefits or is it pretty much just a minimum threshold of if you have this mindfulness practice established even over a short period like two weeks you just get this boost i haven't seen that study with respect to the gre Mm -hmm. but there's tons of evidence that suggests that experienced meditators have all kinds of important differences between naive meditators or non-meditators mm-hmm. on a host of performance factors and even mm-hmm. neurophysiological factors like experienced meditators. One finding is they have consistently thicker left frontal lobe. 
and the left frontal lobe density is correlated with um, impulse control and distress management in particular. And so these practice mindfulness meditators, the idea is that they've been able to um, create some space between, let's say, the, their, their observer self and their thinking self, which might complain, which might um, prompt them to, to act in a certain way, un, uncritically or unthinkingly, and that that exercising of space is what's contributed to the thickening of that part of the brain, which is associated with that type of behavior. Well, it's right online with uh, some other research I've become aware of out of UC Berkeley, which oh, yeah? talks about experienced med- meditators have a reduced activity uh, sustained throughout their normal waking life of the default mode network, which is that temporal. Oh, you know about um, the default network. That's oh, fascinating. Yeah. I'm considering the past. I'm considering the future. If you can get out of that space and stay in that present moment. Well, the default network, I'll take a short detour because this is yeah. fascinating. I did yeah. my, my dissertation on mind wandering, mm-hmm. the phenomenon, the cognitive phenomenon of mind wandering and how to reduce it through mindfulness techniques. And mm-hmm. my variable of interest was also um, uh, a reading comprehension passage, like on the GRE. Mm-hmm. Um, the default network is a, a, a host of different neurological centers in the brain that seem to be more active when we're not doing anything in particular. Mm-hmm. That's why the researchers call it the default. That just is like our default state. Mm-hmm. And that is highly correlated with mind wandering. Mm-hmm. And so there's this idea that focus and concentration is not the default state for anybody. For whatever reason, the human organism might have been created to, if we're not, we, we have to make an effort to be focused and mm-hmm. concentrated. And, um, but that activity of the default net- network, as you just revealed with the study, can be influenced over time through sustained practice of meditation, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Great. yeah. I think that's wonderful and that squares with what I understand. So um, I took this UCSB study and I ran with it because I was like, okay, two weeks is good, but um, what, if, what if there's something that you can do in like seven minutes instead? Something like that's just right before uh, an activity or an event where you really do need focus and concentration. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not going to have as robust of an effect as two weeks or two years or 20 years of meditation, but right. like, is there something that students can do to focus in, you know, very quickly in the moment and improve their, their mindfulness and their reading comprehension. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that there was. So I, I, I used with a certain technique with permission from a researcher in the UK whose name escapes me right now, but it was called the attention training technique. It's basically an attention switching task where I asked students to um, intentionally switch their focus to different sounds. I would play different sounds within the room, like a metronome or the, the humming of the computer, or they had to focus on sounds outside the space or the sound of their own heartbeat. They had to, they had to switch on command between all these different uh, audible cues. And there was also a practice of simultaneous listening, which was how many different sounds can I count in, in the present moment as an, like an observer of, of sound. And these exercises took about, you know, five to seven minutes to complete. And then I gave the students a reading comprehension test and very covertly measured the number of mind-wandering episodes they experienced while they were reading the passage, which was done in kind of a clever, indirect way with respect to reaction times to advance the text that they were reading. Mm -hmm. And basically, if their reaction time was very 
long relative to certain characteristics of the text that they were reading, we could surmise that they're not really paying attention mm -hmm. because they should be in the flow of reading. And so that was an indirect measure of uh, mind wandering. And basically the students who went through the attention training technique versus, you know, control exercise, they experienced significantly fewer mind wandering episodes while reading this boring text that you will have to read on the GRE as well. So I think there's robust evidence for the power of mindfulness in increasing performance on a standardized test like the GRE. Mm -hmm. And there's at least some evidence that students can increase their mindfulness very, very quickly. They don't have to move to a monastery and shave their heads and devote their life mm -hmm. to this. They can work it into a daily practice during their test prep using an app like Headspace or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Headspace is great. Or they, and or they can even find techniques to focus their attention within minutes before they actually sit down and take the test. Mm -hmm. And all of those things should help to increase their sustained mindfulness, which is associated with, you know, almost a 20% um, variance of score. So this is extremely important. Yeah. It's something that everyone can do. They can do for free. It costs nothing except the time and the, the energy that goes into Science, skill. science backed, simple, practical tools that can give you this 20 cent percentile boost. That's what I'm all about, man. Uh, I'm all about empirical evidence. Yeah. I've run the numbers on my own students. I know that the Stellar approach is empirically valid. I think it's the only empirically validated GRE test pet program in the world. Wow. I know the size of that improvement. I mean, I'm all about the data. That's great. That's great. This is incredibly useful, and people can find out more. Uh, about these mindfulness techniques by visiting StellarGRE.com and for also anything else, GRE prep or grad school consulting. Um, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week for another bite-sized episode of GRE Bites. Thank you.